Hello and welcome to another episode of the Streaming Wars Podcast. Today we have a good amount of stuff to get into. Um, we're going to start off with some Emmy nominations that have recently came out, which is, again, a very important to all the streaming services. Um, some surprises, we're going to go over the nominations for some major categories. Um, but again, the actual Emmys are at the end of, um, or at September 20th, I believe. So around that time, like we did last year, we're going to do a prediction show. Um, which again, it's just going to be talking about these shows and, and their odds of winning. Um, and then obviously a recap of kind of what happened and, and who are the big winners for that day. Um, in addition, we're going to go into a little bit more. Um, some at the end of the show, we're going to kind of quickly go through some other news that came through this week. Um, a Peacock subscription update about how many subscribers they have. Um, and some other things that are, um, in addition to Netflix. Um, and some other things around the industry. So as I mentioned, I want to start off with the Emmy nominations for this year. So obviously we know that the Emmys are going to be different this year, considering that again, they're going to be happening during a pandemic. So it's gonna be online as you know everything seems to be right now. Um, but to continue with this, the Emmys obviously are a very important thing for streaming. And I know that seems odd that why is this award show that's not uh, exclusive to streaming services, but it has very big implications on what the streaming services eventually can do. Um, you look at Netflix, which has really dominated the Emmys for the last five years um, since its House of Cards and Orange is the New Black introduction, um, that the Netflix has really kind of taken a good stride in it, but they've yet to win some major categories such as best drama or, or such as that. So again, there's a lot of things that are still kind of needs to be implied that still needs to be worked through with some uh, Emmys that obviously with streaming services. So again, it's a very important, um, and obviously it's even more important this year because we have some first uh, streaming services nominations for Emmys uh, this year. So I wanna go over, again, some major categories, kind of just quickly to go through. Again, we're not gonna talk that much about who is the favorites, who got snubbed and stuff like that. We'll talk much more about that, um, or we're gonna talk a little bit, but much more about that again when the Emmys are actually starting to kind of get into production and such. So again, this is kind of a recap of the Emmys uh, nominations for 2020. So for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Limited Series or TV Movie, uh, Jeremy Irons for Watchmen, Hugh Jackman for Bad Education, Paul Mescal for Normal People, Jeremy Pope for Hollywood, and Mark Ruffalo for I Know This Much Is True. So just right off the bat there, um, obviously no Netflix on that. Um, obviously, again, um, this is a different category. Um, this is a category that obviously um, is not, uh, once again, um, a, it's a, it's kind of a hybrid type category where obviously you have these shows, but these limited series um, were dominated by Netflix last year um, for that category. So again, there, this is obviously a very mix of a couple of things. HBO with um, Watchmen um, and with some other categories right there. Uh, Jeremy Pope, obviously for Hollywood, um, that movie obviously was a miniseries that came out, obviously, excuse me, that was the miniseries for Netflix, um, Hollywood. So right there again, excuse me. So the nominations, um, Watchmen, obviously HBO, Bad Education, um, which is a movie came out, um, on HBO, Normal People, uh, Hulu, Hollywood, Jeremy Pope is Netflix and Mark Ruffalo, I know this is true is HBO. So right there, three HBOs, two, one Hulu and one Netflix. So again, a diverse category, three for HBO right there. Um, and again, HBO obviously is not a streaming service itself, but HBO Max is. So 
you know, all of those titles that I just mentioned are available on HBO Max. So again, I know we don't think of Emmys as, um, as kind of promotion uh, ideas that obviously, you know, you get boosted, but naturally you do, right? People go and watch the winners. So if you, if, for example, if Bad Education won with Hugh Jackman, well, that's available on HBO Max. So that number and that interest in HBO is going to increase. And again, keeping the prestige of what you're doing is very important. And the Emmys reflect, um, obviously, the winners and losers in that category. Um, and then to the next category, um, Outstanding Lead Actress in a Limited Series on t- or TV Movie. Um, Kate Blanchett, Miss America, Sierra uh, Haas, Unorthodox, Regina King, Watchmen, Octavia Spencer, Self Made, Carrie Washington, Little Fires Everywhere. So again, um, two, but this is the interesting category for Hulu here. Um, they have two nominations, and the two nominations are a byproduct of this FX on Hulu type series, which is a Miss America and Little Fires Everywhere. So, um, excuse me, I believe only Miss America is on the FX by Hulu. So, Again, Hulu obviously got a big boost this year um, in the Emmy nominations, but also they got a boost because they are now part of Disney. And Disney obviously has kind of merged FX into Hulu, and they are, again, representing themselves here um, with Miss America and Little Friars everywhere. Um, The next category, Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series, um, Anthony Anderson, Blackish, Don Cheadle, Black America, Ted Danson, The Good Place, Michael Douglas, The Kaminsky Method, Eugene Levy, Schitt's Creek. And Rami Youssef from Rami. So with this category um, right there, just off the bat, um, you have a nomination from Blackish, which is a cable um, from ABC. ABC, of course, though, connected to Disney. So again, Disney getting representation there. Um, Rami Youssef, Hulu. So again, Disney dominating um, another category here. Netflix has the Kaminsky Method um, and kind of Schitt's Creek as well, because Schitt's Creek obviously airs in Canada and Canada Obviously, it's kind of outletted to Netflix, so Netflix kind of has given that show another boost, especially in the United States. Um, The Good Place, NBC, um, and then Black Monday uh, on Showtime. So this category is interesting. Again, there is not a kind of overwhelming, hey, three nominations for, you know, Hulu or or Disney Plus or uh, Netflix or Amazon Prime. Again, it's really kind of a diverse uh, category in this in this ranking, um, but it's going to be interesting that again, Peacock, uh, the show that we've talked a lot about, uh, the streaming service that we talked a lot about, is looking for comedy as its way into the streaming services. So again, it's important to look for these next couple of years. Um, does Peacock work its way into the comedy realm and start to kind of put itself uh, higher ranking in that category? Um, the next category, category, outstanding lead actress in a comedy series. Uh, Christina Applegate, Dead to Me, uh, Rachel Bottom, uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, uh, Linda Cardellini, Dead to Me, Catherine O'Hara, Schitt's Creek, Issa Rae, Insecure, and Tracy Ellis Ross, Blackish. So this is another category, um, diverse, not a, um, again, not an overall, doesn't have, um, you know, a, a ranking favorite in that category. Um, but right off the bat, again, looking at it, two nominations for Netflix, um, uh, which is Dead to Me, both Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini. Um, of, of course, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel gets representation there, Amazon Prime Video, um, which is, I believe, its first nomination of the ones that we've mentioned so far. Um, Schitt's Creek again. And then Tracy Ellis Ross uh, from Blackish, which is on ABC, which is a Disney property. So that counts as a Disney nomination. Um, moving along to kind of, again, these other major um, categories, which is next up is Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series. 
So you have Jason Bateman in Ozark, Sterling K. Brown in This Is Us, Steve Carell, The Morning Show, Brian Cox, Succession, Billy Porter, Pose, and Jeremy Strong, Succession. Um, so this is an interesting category as well. This is a category that, um, for the most part, looks like um, it seems to be a, a category that is very important historically um, in the Emmys, obviously, as the lead actor in the drama series. Um, and right there again, another two show, two, one show get two nominations in succession. Um, obviously with HBO, HBO, um, obviously not having Game of Thrones in the Emmys this year is huge. And that's a big, um, space that is now left out of the Emmys. But again, HBO filling that in with more succession nominations. Um, but the big storyline here is Steve Carell in the morning show. Um, Steve Carell obviously getting his first nomination with the morning show with Apple TV plus. That is a big thing for Apple TV+. Plus. We talked about how they are trying to kind of form this next-level entertainment in HBO, that they are not going to flood the gates um, with content as Netflix does. Um, it's going to try to strategically place its positions in two categories that are going to get nominated. And this, Steve Carell, The Morning Show, gets nominated. So Ozarks, obviously with Jason Bateman. Um, that's, of course, with Netflix. Um, and Pose is with FX, which, of course, is owned by Disney. So for this category, you have Apple TV Plus being represented, uh, HBO being represented twice, Ozarks being represented with Netflix, Pose, Disney, um, and then Sterling K. Brown, This Is Us with NBC. So, again, a very diverse uh, category as well. And then, of course, we have the next category, Outstanding Lead Actress in the Drama Series. There's Jennifer Aniston, The Morning Show, Olivia Colman, The Crown, Jodie Comer, Killing Eve, Laura Linney, Ozarks, um, Sandra Oh, Killing Eve, and Zendaya with Euphoria. So another category that is still kind of up in the air, especially considering that there's no favorites. We'll talk obviously much more about that, kind of who the favorites are when we talk about that when the Emmys are coming up more closely. Um, but the first thing that obviously you pay attention to is Jennifer Aniston, The Morning Show, Apple TV Plus getting another nomination uh, obviously with Jennifer Aniston's performance. That's kind of what we were expecting. Um, that wasn't kind of a big kind of surprise. But again, uh, Jennifer Aniston getting recognition with The Morning Show. Um, Olivia Coleman with The Crown, obviously Netflix. Killing Eve gets two nominations here, Jodie Comer and Sandra Oh. Um, Jodie Comer won last year. So again, there's going to be definitely potential for Killing Eve to get another nomination. So K Killing Eve there, Ozark, and Zendaya with Euphoria. Zendaya, of course, representing HBO in that category. Um, with euphoria. So moving along, we have kind of now the main show nominations, which is kind of another important part of this. That obviously, the actor nominations are huge because that's kind of the names that people are going to know, and that's kind of what the idea is. But for the most part, you kind of have these other things. The shows are going to be also very important. These smaller wins, these smaller nominations help translate to bigger success. Um, so the first thing I want to go into um, is Outstanding Limited Series. So this is obviously a, a category that is diverse, um, but makes up a good amount of content that people watch. So the first uh, nomination, Little Fires Everywhere, Miss America, Unbelievable, Unorthodox, and Watchmen. So again, another category that has now two representations from Hulu, um, both being uh, Miss America and uh, being uh, Little Fires Everywhere, a show that obviously has done um, well nominations-wise. Unbelievably, unbelievable, excuse me, representing Netflix in that category, um, a show that obviously was uh, critically acclaimed and, and one of the 
top shows of 2020, or excuse me, 2019. Uh, again, another show that uh, succeeded very well. Unorthodox also being represented uh, by Netflix. So two Netflix nominations, two Hulu nominations, and then Watchmen uh, with the last nomination in that category representing HBO. So again, it's very, it's going to, this one um, is not as a diverse, excuse me, I think I misspoke there, uh, less diverse um, with two nominations for Hulu, two for um, Netflix, and one for HBO. Um, and then the next category is Outstanding Comedy Series, a, a, a category that is very important um, to the streaming services because, again, comedy um, has yet to kind of found its consistency with other companies. You know, Netflix has not kind of, other, with, other than the Kaminsky Method, has not kind of dove into this. So there's a couple of category changes here. Um, the first nomination, Curb Your Enthusiasm with HBO. Uh, Dead to Me, Netflix, The Good Place, um, NBC, Insecure, HBO, The Kaminsky Method, Netflix, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Amazon Prime, Schitt's Creek, Hybrid, plus Netflix, um, What We Do in the Shadows, FX. So there's, again, another, not one or the other. It's not like everything's Netflix but one. It's, again, throwing in bits and pieces from everywhere. Um, but you have right now two from um, – Netflix, which is Dead to Me and The Kaminsky Method, two from HBO, Curb Your, Curb Your Enthusiasm and Insecure, one from NBC, one from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Schitt's Creek, and then you have What We Do in the Shadows, which is a show that airs on Fox, um, or excuse me, FX, which of course is part of this Disney uh, wagon and is available on Hulu. So um, that is where that representation is from them. Um, and then the last category that I want to talk about, um, and kind of is the main category, the, the show the, that is going to define the Emmys is kind of, again, this is the best picture award. This is the best outstanding drama series of the last year. So the nominees are Better Call Saul, The Crown, The Handmaid's Tale, Killing Eve, The Mandalorian, Ozark, Stranger Things, Succession. So we have eight nominations right there. And a whole lot to get into because the first thing that I think, especially as a viewer watching the nom nominations come out, um, The Mandalorian gets nominated for Best Picture, or excuse me, for Outstanding Trauma Series. Um, I, I know we've Joe, I've talked a little bit about how, you know, Apple TV Plus's goal is to get nominations and they want to be kind of an HBO, uh, try to be that show that is constantly giving out top content. It may be, it might not be as much as Netflix, it might not have a new show every day, but it's going to have. When it drops a new show, it's going to be an event. It's going to be something important. It's going to have big names attached to it. Well, and I talked about how Disney Plus is more of an event size, um, kind of big show, big movie, kind of just get your viewers in. But it may not necessarily get the awards. It may not try to craft itself to get that um, that nomination that, that maybe other companies are trying to get. But yet it just did. The Mandalorian, obviously representing Disney Plus, um, which is the only, or excuse me, one of the only, uh, out of the main categories, there's a lot of other categories that we haven't got into, which we'll go into later um, in the year um, when we talk about the Emmys um, or a couple months from now, a month from now, um, some other nominations that Disney Plus got original, uh, original Disney Plus. Um, but this is the first Disney Plus original nomination for Outstanding Drama Series in its first year, which is pretty impressive. Um, and the reasoning behind that was because The Mandalorian was one of the most technical shows of 2020, uh, 2019 and 2020. Um, you know, again, the technology that was used and innovation that it created um, really kind of helped land its spot there. So that was kind of the surprise 
out of that category. Um, but continuing down that list, uh, Netflix gets representation from The Crown and from Stranger Things. So you and Ozark, excuse me. So you have three nominations right there for Netflix. They've yet to win a Best Picture on um, an outstanding drama series um, that really has been taken by a lot of other things uh, just random throughout the year. Um, uh, and then for Disney, their representation um, is, as I mentioned, The Mandalorian and The Handmaid's Tale. So two things right there um, for uh, Disney, which, of course, um, is still trying to obviously, you know, even that they might be a little bit surprised that they are nominated Um of course, they are still uh, they're still going to be gunning to win because uh, that is obviously the goal uh, for these companies. And then AMC gets nominated here um, in two categories: Better Call Saul and Killing Eve. Um, and those are two categ- uh, two shows that obviously have been around for a couple of seasons now. Um, Killing Eve in it going into its fourth season, um, and Better Call Saul going into its sixth season. Um, obviously, this was its fifth season that it's um, closed. But the big surprise for the Emmys also uh, is that Better Call Saul, um, which again has been around for five seasons, uh, the prequel to uh, Breaking Bad, um, did not get any nominations for acting uh, in in the major categories. Again, some smaller categories uh, were brought upon for Better Call Saul, but major acting, uh, most important, Bob Odenkirk and Ray Seahorn. Um, Obviously, though, they're, they still have one more season to get nominations. Of course, that Better Call Saul, their last season is coming up whenever it does air. It's season six will be its final season. Um, so AMC gets two uh, kind of opportunities to win Best Drama Series. Um, and then you have uh, kind of HBO coming in with Succession uh, there as well. So right now, again, Stranger Things, Ozark, The Crown for Netflix, which we'll see if they can eventually get a, a win there. Uh, Killing Eve and Better Call Saul for um, AMC, Handmaid's Tale and The Mandalorian for Disney, and then Succession with HBO. And HBO, again, I know we're not going to talk about favorites or who is expected to win, but HBO and Succession seem to be kind of the favorites for this year. Um, It seemed to be the show that is its their year to win. Um, So, again, HBO could be maybe lacking on the amount of shows that are uh, uh, nominated, but at the end of the line, the main thing is winning. And HBO has a good shot of winning this year with the Emmys. So right now we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to discuss all the other news that I wanted to mention during this this week. Um, But again, just to wrap up the discussion of the Emmys, we'll talk obviously a lot more about it in the following weeks. Um, But again, continued dominance by Netflix. They have continued to show that they are going to get nominations. Um, But the issue is, can they get wins? Can they come up in this category and, and eventually start to win? Uh, that's kind of the, the important thing, because, again, just like um, Oscars, you know, Netflix might get the most nominations at the Oscars, but it doesn't matter because it, it matters. But it doesn't matter that, you know, the thing is, is that you got to get the wins at the end of the day. So that's going to be the important thing for Netflix um, and see if they can maybe come out with some wins, much more wins than they've had in the prior years. So, again, um, that's it for the Emmy not talk for now. We'll obviously talk a little bit more about it when we uh, kind of come back to it in September. Um, but again, that's uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss a little bit more about Peacock and some other news of the week. Hi, I'm Mark, and I'm one of the hosts of Massive Late Fee. Do you remember Blockbuster? Well, we do, and we racked up a lot of late fees there. That's why we're glad there's things like Netflix, Hulu, and Blockbuster has died, mostly because of us. We cover streaming shows and pretty much whatever we want. Join us every Thursday as we talk TV and movies on Massive Late Fee. You can find us at Massive Late Fee on Twitter, Massive 
Massive Late Fee on Facebook. You can email the show at MassiveLateFee at gmail.com. And you can find us at MySpace, Massive Late Fee. Massive Late Fee, the best podcast we can think of. Welcome back to the Sherman Wars podcast. As I mentioned before the break, I want to go into um, some discussion about Peacock, obviously NBC Universal and Comcast's uh, streaming service. Um, some positive news for the company. Obviously, they've updated uh, their second quarter earnings um, and, and kind of the information that have come out from that. Uh, Peacock is reporting that they've added 10 million subscribers since its limited launch in April and, of course, the national launch, which was a couple weeks ago. Um, obviously, Peacock obviously has this different goal than a lot of streaming services that we've talked about, which is kind of to be another outlet for Comcast, not directly um, a solo practice from uh from Comcast in that way. It's trying to transition some cable subscribers into the streaming service and funnel that instead of kind of say, hey, one or the other. It's going to try to continue to push it towards that. If you are to cut the cord, go to Peacock, then leave the service completely. So um, again, 10 million subscribers is a very imp- uh, impressive amount. Um, HBO Max, as we talked about a little bit a while ago, added around 4.1 million subscribers since its May launch. So in can Total, you know, obviously Peacock has been more successful, but of course HBO has some subscribers, um, much more subscribers from just normal platform HBO than HBO Max in particular. But again, it shows that there are people that obviously are wanting to go to Peacock um, in the streaming service. And this is kind of a bright spot for Peacock. Um, but for Comcast overall, they dropped uh, their uh, net quarter earnings, um, fell 4.4% from $2.99 billion uh, to $23.7 billion. Uh, by 2.99 billion um, to the revenue of 23.7 billion um, for second quarter earnings. So overall, again, Peacock has still trying to find a way to work into um, Comcast's idea of when there is going to be this continued decline. How can you continue to funnel people through your way? Um, which is still an interesting thing because obviously one Peacock is free, so it's still trying to add new people that aren't in this. Comcast ecosystem, but still trying to, if you're in it, to keep you in it, not to uh, push you one way or, or to kind of say, hey, this or that. It's trying to still work it's around it. Um, but again, Peacock is still working to add new subscribers. That's obviously the goal of all streaming services. And 10 million subscribers puts it, again, where we kind of were expecting that. It's kind of a bigger launch um, than HBO Max. Now, of course, 4 million subscribers and 10 million subscribers seems like a lot, but in the relative things, it's, it's not a crazy amount. It can easily be made up over a quarter or so, because again, even though Peacock really kind of launched a couple of weeks ago, it also launched back in April, which gave a lot of the people that would have subscribed because they were Comcast subscribers, the opportunity to do it. Then that's where a lot of the subscribers are. So it's going to be interesting to see what that quarter three for Peacock um, looks like. Um, but also to, to kind of continue with the – I know we kind of discussed a little bit about the Emmy nominations. We said we were going to be done with that. Um, but Quibi, I know we, we don't talk about Quibi that much, and we've kind of banned it from you know a, a lot of the talks um, after some reports. And obviously we had that whole show kind of talking about how it collapsed. Um, it's been you know on the decline. Um, Emmy, you know, Quibi was able to get 10 Emmy nominations um, or Emmy, uh, were nominated for 10 Emmy Awards, which obviously uh, – is very impressive that obviously a service that is significantly less valuable um, or significantly less important in the center of pop culture than all the other streaming services um, 
is, is a, a pretty uh, interesting feat for them. Um, but obviously shows you a lot that there's a good amount of people that obviously probably cared more about, you know, again, the voting system probably geared a little bit more to Quibi. Um, but where are they getting these nominations? They're not major nominations. There's not obviously a best drama for this. Um, but a lot of it's coming from this kind of best actor in a short form comedy or drama series, which is where Quibi basically kind of is the only competitor for that. Um, you know, uh, Chris, uh, Christoph Waltz got nominated, um, Corey Hawkins, uh, Stephen James, Lawrence Fishburne. Um, Quibi, again, also got nominated. Uh, Anna Kendrick, Caitlin Olsen, um, Carrie Kenny Silver, uh, and Jasmine uh, Cephas Jones uh, also were nominated. And the, again, the categories that they got nominated for are practically all the same thing. They're um, outstanding short form comedy or, or drama series. And then, of course, the individual awards for that. Um, in particular, the Outstanding Actress and Outstanding Actor Awards only FX um, and YouTube are the two shows that are other than those two are nominated. So it's a four to one odds or uh, a, a four to one odds that Quibi will win um, both the actress um, and the actor form in that category. And then Best, best Outstanding Short Form Comedy Series, um, Better Call Saul Employee Trainings Ethics with Kim Wexler for AMC got nominated. The Good Place Presents the Selection. NBC got nominated, Star Trek, Short Treks, CBS All Access, Reno 911, Quibi, Most Dangerous Game, Quibi. So again, Quibi could come out maybe at, of 2020 with complete failure and the app is going to be dismissed maybe in 2021 potentially, but they might at least will win an Emmy. That's a, that's a positive spot um, for, uh, for Quibi and their opportunities to win. But again, who knows if they, ever, if they will win. Um, and if they will make it to 2021's uh, Emmy Award nominations, we'll see if that comes. Um, Netflix made some big headlines this also this week um, by adding a lot of black sitcoms. Uh, Moesha, uh, uh, Sister, Sister, um, and a lot of other shows that have, again, were very popular um, late 90s and early 2000s. Obviously, um, you're, you're looking at a couple shows there. Um, so, again, the Moesha. August 1st, The Game, Season 1 through 3, August 15th, Sister, Sister, September 1st, Girlfriend, September 11th, The Parkers, October 1st, Half and Half, October 15th, One on One, October 15th. Again, a, a big um, continuation that obviously Netflix is working to add more content um, and is continuing to try to, again, expand its diversity, but also its appeal, right? It, it benefits Netflix. Like, again, I don't I'm not going to praise Netflix for obviously adding these shows. I mean, I'm not diminishing the value of obviously doing that, but also at the same time, this is benefiting them, right? It's not like this is something that was out of, again, by doing this, obviously they are, they are increasing their audience. Um, and, and again, hopefully trying to um, appeal to more people and make this and make Netflix again, a more dominant place because you can really watch now everything you ever want um, available on Netflix. Um, so again, Netflix is adding a lot other shows, and again, they're trying to add these niche markets, which again, I know uh, um, uh, sitcoms are not niche, but I would say uh, certain shows definitely fit into that category and that are not the uh, brand-held names that everything else may be. Um, so again, overall, that's the major news for this week. Um, in addition to some other house cleaning news, um, we have some other reports that there could be potential, um, excuse me, uh, the Muppets Now. Excuse me, that's what I wanted to quickly mention. Uh, the Muppets Now show, um, which is one of Disney Plus's 
bigger launches of 2020 uh, recently came out. Um, again, is available on Disney Plus, and it's a show that obviously has come up with a little bit uh, of early success for Disney Plus, and again, that's going to be um, more invited for them. Um, also available, the Umbrella uh, Academy Season 2, which we talked about, um, how that was a big launch for Netflix. That Season 2 is already dropped on Netflix, so if you're a fan of that show, um, it is available on Netflix uh, right now. Um, and for in terms of news in the movie industry, uh, which I know we spent a lot on last week, that has really gone silent. There has not been that much news um, in terms of major uh, pushbacks or um, any major decisions to kind of go to directly to a streaming service or anything like that. But of course, um, we are going to continue to keep an eye out on that because as we know, there can be changes at any time and really will change um, at any time, especially when you don't think there's going to be news. Uh, there ends up being some. So uh, this week, again, dominating the, the news cycle was the Emmys because that is what uh, this kind of week was looking at, the Emmys and, and the nominations, which I wanted to talk mostly about, um, which we did. Uh, and then we'll also, uh, at the next obviously, next couple episodes, obviously we're going to continue to do our, our normal recaps and news episodes as we do. Um, but again, as I mentioned, around September, September 20th, I believe, is the uh, actual Emmy um, award show, which obviously that episode before that Emmys comes out, we'll do our predictions. And just again, talk about these shows because we don't really do that much content-related news on this podcast because, again, it's more focused on the actual uh, news and, and, and not as much on the actual shows that are on these services. So we're going to get to be able to do that. And then, of course, kind of predictions and, and the favorites and what this actually is going to looks like it's going to shape out to be. And then, of course, right after, um, we will have our reaction. Who won? Why did they win? Um, or maybe we won't always know that. But um, why was this win so important for this company? Or maybe it wasn't. Um, again, we'll talk all about that. Um, and then the last little bit of news I wanted to mention, uh, the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run, um, is going to dire- go directly. Um, we'll, uh, the SpongeBob on the Run, as we talked about, will be going directly to CBS All Access, which I mentioned, but it also will um, open, open exclusively in movie cha- theaters in Canada on August 14th. So that is kind of the major, or the, excuse me, the, the news that I wanted to talk about in regards to streaming. Um, in the movie industry for this week, uh, just to kind of wrap up because that's sponge on the run, obviously a show, um, that is going to directly to streaming, but also will kind of be parlayed on to these other chains, which is why I'm highly, I would be highly, I wouldn't be surprised if tenant, the movie we've been talking about for, you know, it feels like 2000 years already. Um, maybe that was the whole plan of tenant that, you know, again, the movie's supposed to be about how we don't know time and all that kind of stuff. And the, trailers are trippy and stuff. Maybe this is what the test is, but with Tenet, you know, obviously it's a movie that's going to be opening really everywhere, but Canada, excuse me, but China and the United States, which are huge markets and would probably, it's going to be very hard for them to make up the, the, uh, the kind of just coming back to even on that movie, which is not something you kind of want to be talking about with a movie this big, or at least a Christopher Nolan type movie. Um, so Tenet obviously is going to be opening in really kind of every other country but China and the United States. And then, of course, we don't even know if it does open in Europe and in Italy and, um, excuse me, and, you know, all these other countries, will people even go? And that's also another part of that. So 
obviously with that, we have the idea that there has to be another outlet the tenant is looking at. Um, and this could be, you know, the sponge on the run. And we have to, I know it seems weird as you know, you're, you're listening right now. Why does the SpongeBob Sponge on the Run movie that is released on August 14th, um, uh, that's releasing on CBS All Access somehow correlate to Tenant, which is going to be you know, one of the biggest movies of 2020. Um, how do those correlate? Well, it's because the industry kind of finds itself in similar patterns. There, I know it seems odd that we can think like that, but look back when we talk about Trolls. I know we seems a long time when we said, wow, Trolls set all those records and made a lot of money. Um, and then from that point on, we've seen a good amount of more uh, movies feel more comfortable with going on video on demand and PVOD and such. So that was a telling point that we eventually saw the outcome of. Now, not that many movies have made that much money um, since Trolls being that kind of that, wow, we can make all this money. It hasn't been as successful for other companies, but of course there's multiple factors with that. Um, but SpongeBob, Sponge on the Run, if it does release in kind of those other countries, not US, not China, those major markets that would help benefit it greatly with financials, Maybe you parlay it with a streaming service. Maybe you'd say, hey, August 14th, you go to Canada, you go to Germany, you go to France, you go to all these countries and theaters. But September 1st, you're going to CBS All Access. Could we see something like that with a potential tenant movie? And that is something that we don't know yet if it will go on HBO Max, um, maybe a couple months, weeks after it's released theatrically. But my money is that something will happen like that. Um, and of course, we'll continue to see. So again, I'm not betting. I'm not. I would not. You you never know with this kind of stuff. Um, I would not bet on this that it, there will be streaming services that will eventually take these movies and kind of do a two for one here. Um, but we'll we'll see what eventually happens. Again, that's kind of a news that I wanted to throw in there, which doesn't seem that big. Obviously, I understand. Um, but something I wanted to mention, just in case if I am right, that Tenant does eventually release on HBO Max after maybe two to three weeks after its initial launch that I can say that I'm right and that this podcast obviously um, is the correct and only correct podcast in terms of movie theatrical releases. So um, with that note, I want to, um, again, just re- recap that Emmys, we'll talk a little bit about back in September, a couple of weeks from now, um, of course, then any other major news we will discuss on the podcast, um, any other streaming services that we will uh, be mentioning. So again, that's it for the Streaming Wars podcast. Until next time.